Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show as we start your day off here at Northeast Streaming Sports. We're live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Hall of Fame legendary boxing writer himself, Jack Hirsch, bringing you your sports breakfast live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Today's guests, we have Byron Williams coming in at 8.30, our NFL analyst, followed at 9 by Keith Angle with the Patriots, Knicks, college football report, and we'll have uh, Jamie Pags, the Philly sports guy, coming in around 9.30 to give you your Philly sports update. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Jack. How you doing today? Good morning, Mac. I always get my updated sports news. I get my calls from my sources all over. I mean, 90% of the time I have to, you know, investigate myself. They think they have a lead, but it's good to follow up, Mac. I just got a call on that right now. Uh, Can I just send, can I send out our best wishes from both you and myself and everyone associated with this show to the uh, Los Angeles Charger tight end Donald Parham, who yesterday suffered a head injury. He's in stable condition. It happened early in the game with the charges against the Chiefs when he stretched out trying to catch a touchdown pass in the end zone. He wasn't hit by one of the Chief defenders, but unfortunately his head hit the turf and he suffered that injury and he was taken out in the stretch. And the latest we heard, he's in stable condition and we send along our best and he's in our thoughts. Well, real quick on that, I, when, I was, when I was playing football in my days and uh, as I got older, the turf has changed quite a bit where a lot of people are, were using astro turf and different turfs. And some people said it was harder than, than, than regular turf. And, and, but yet, you know, if you're playing on astro turf inside and you're outside and the, the ground is frozen, I mean, there's so many different things. And, and it seems there's a lot of uh, non-contact injuries out there today, whether you're pulling hamstrings or hitting the ground and, and hurting your, you know, either getting a concussion or, 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 you know, pulling something. It's really crazy. I don't remember all that happening. But with that being said, Jack, let's get to the scores real quick, and then we'll get to some NFL news uh, before Byron gets in. So let's start with the NHL. You had uh, uh, Tampa Bay beating Washington 2-1, to one, the Knights over the Devils 5-3, to three, the Hurricanes 5, Detroit 3, Kings 4, uh, the Panthers 1, uh, the Montreal Canadiens beat the Flyers three to two. The New York Islanders beat Boston three to one. The Predators beat Avalanche uh, five to one or five to two. Sorry. The Sabers beat the Wild three to two. The Oilers beat the Blue the Blue Jackets five to two, and the Canucks beat the Sharks five to two. So those are your scores in the NHL. In the NBA, Indiana one twenty two, Detroit one thirteen. The Nets over the 76ers, 114 and 105. The Knicks go, go over Houston, 116 and 103. Uh, the uh, Bulls beat the Wizards, 118 to 98. No, sorry, that's the Suns. The Suns beat the Wizards, 118 to 98. Um, so that's your NBA scores. And we'll get a little bit into the Knicks and that stuff when Keith comes in as they as they did the win and kind of uh, adjusted their lineup, which is pretty interesting. Um so I want to get to this, the COVID. Of course, the COVID, uh, the variant is driving sports crazy right now. And the NFL alone, over 116 players now have tested positive. 
So the NFL has decided to go back to the stringent rules of contact where you can't have any visitors when you're on the road come to see you. Um, they're doing a lot of, uh, you know, meetings through video instead of uh, in person when you're going to the weight room or the facilities. They're having you stand so many feet apart, so many people in a room, at the, you know, at the same time. So they decided to do that. I mean, Cleveland's been decimated. I think they're underdogs this week because almost everybody is going to be out. That starts on the team. But, Jack, there's there's talk and there's discussion. And like I said, we'll have Byron coming up where they're going to kind of ease up on the testing, meaning that this is this is what they're saying, okay, that – after these changes, uh, and this is going to be as of week 15, um, NFL players who test positive can get back to the facilities quicker with one quick test, you know, that that, that rapid test, as long as they, they test negative. And they're also talking about having more common sense testing. In other words, you're not going to be tested all the time. You're going to be tested, say, when you don't feel well or once a week, I'm not sure exactly because they haven't really published what these discussions are really going to be and they haven't approved them yet, but it looks like the NFL is going to change their testing policy somewhat. And this is of course to get the players back on the field faster, which I guess makes sense if you're the NFL, Jack. Yeah, I, it's all complicated, Mac. Meanwhile, the stands are full. And you right. need to tell me that people are next to one another. There have to be some carriers of COVID sitting in the stands. I can't believe 50, 60,000 people and all of them are COVID-free. Everyone would be testing negative. Uh, so what's the answer? I mean, someone told me you could go get tested for COVID, go to a medical facility, let's say like an urgent care, for example, and you could go there and be tested negative. But while you're there, there's a lot of people waiting too, and you could catch it from them. While you're there, it's not going to show up on your negative test until, you know, later on you'd have it. So I don't know what the answer is. Is it an overreaction? I mean, with the vaccines out right now, the booster shots and everything, I mean, what are the risks? I mean, what's the end game? What's the worst logically that someone is going to, that's going to going to happen to someone who's gotten both vaccinations and a booster shot? I mean, is it only a case of them getting a bad cold or what? But I think as a society, you have an obligation. You don't want it to spread. And you also want to protect those who are unvaccinated as well. I don't, I, I don't know if I necessarily totally agree with you or not. I mean, asymptomatic uh, people that are carrying the disease, uh, there's no, you know, I mean, if they're, even if they test positive or if they, uh, they uh, but they don't have the, the actual symptoms themselves and aren't affected by it. So, Jack, if, if we're going to go like that, and the reason why I say I don't agree with you 100% is because other than that, we're all going to have to go back in our houses again. And we're all not going to be able, and, and we're not going to be able so, Jack, to. Um, if, if we're going to go like that, excuse me, uh, kind of a delay there. Yeah, okay, Mac. I, that's giving you. You're giving yourself a clue. Let's, you know, uh, it, it, that's not a set answer to it. In exactly. Words. We can exactly. go back and forth. I don't know what the answer is. Please. I don't either, Jack. I don't I'm either. And, that's, to, and and, and that's and that's the problem. Nobody has the answer to that. Nobody. 
There's no but everyone way. is playing it safe in regard to it. The attitude, it's better to be safe than sorry. The whole question is, and we can debate this tomorrow on our debate show, whether it's an overreaction on the sports world. Well, you see, well Jack, the, the problem is I don't know if it's an overreaction, an underreaction, or if there's any reaction at all, because I don't think anybody knows. I mean, I, this the problem with this whole thing is, Jack, that either, either to me, you know, we've we've we went through last year the shutdown, and it and and it looks like we we might go through another shutdown again. If another variant comes along, which it will, then we're gonna have to do this all the time, and we're gonna have to wear a mask all the time, and we're gonna have to be uh you know uh, apart from each other the whole time. And this is why I say nobody has the answer. They think they do. You know, you'll have all the studies and everything. But when it comes to sports, let's get back to sports again. Yeah. So, so when it comes to sports. How do you have a schedule? How do you play a year of sports when this thing keeps coming up? Are you going to continue to do the same thing over and over again? Or do you finally just say, listen, we're going to test. We're going to test you if you're negative. Yeah, it can be done. It, it, it can be done. It was done during the height of COVID. I mean, the stands were empty. Teams would be secluded. It can, it can, it can be done. I mean, can you can you ask Jack a player, say the NBA, say they decided to go back to a bubble? Can you really ask a player to do that again? That's see, that's the question I have, because right now, again, you know, all sports are being affected with this variant, and and the problem is, what do you expect the athletes to do, and what do you expect the fans to do, and that's that's the two biggest questions I have on this whole thing, right? That's the two biggest questions I have. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I'm just saying that it's going to be impossible to play sports if they continue on every variant to do this again. And that's all I'm saying, Jack. It's going to be impossible. It's going to be unenjoyable. So uh, good luck. Good luck to the sports organizations trying to figure this out. And that's that's mainly the point I wanted to make. Um so let's get a little bit into the game last night. Um, it was a playoff game, Jack. It was a great game. Kansas City looks like it's back to what Kansas City was a couple of years ago or last year before the Super Bowl. The Chargers look great. They look like they're a serious contender. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs the first game. And it went to overtime this game. A two-point conversion in the fourth quarter by Kansas City made it go to, the, to overtime. The Chargers had them. They missed the Chargers. Would have won the game. But we're starting to see playoff football, and that's what I'm really starting to enjoy because that was for first place, Jack. If Kansas City lost to San Diego, they would uh, San Diego would have been in first and would have had the tiebreaker. Yeah, make no mistake about it. The game meant a lot, lot more to the Kansas City Chiefs than it did to the L.A. Chargers. I mean, the Chiefs are coming off two Super Bowls in a row, even though they lost last year. I mean, anything short of going to the Super Bowl this year would be a disappointment to the Chiefs, considering where they've been the last two years. Plus, they're an established team. They're at their peak. So it's not a question of just getting into the playoffs and saying, oh, it was a decent year. The Chargers last year started trending in the right direction. They started winning at the end of the year. They had a 7-9 record. This year, there's one more game added onto the schedule. And they went into the game eight and five. Okay, they lost their eight and six. They got three games left. 
even if they win just one of their next three and finish up nine and eight, it means they've been trending upwards. They're improving. They're a team of the future. You know, I think the difference between the Chargers and the Chiefs are the Chiefs are a team of now and the Chargers are a team of the future. But sometimes the team of the future arrives a year or so early. Okay, they get to their destination a little quicker than they had planned, that they maybe even thought they would, and they overtake the favorite. That's what the Chargers are trying to do yesterday. It showed that they're close, but when all was said and done, I think the Chiefs showed why they're, you know, probably the favorite, you know, once again to go to the Super Bowl, but they're going to face some stiff challenges. You know, but the Chiefs right now have to be considered the favorite in the AFC. They found a way to win. They came from behind. That's what championship caliber teams do. I mean, they didn't wait for the game to come to them. They took it to the Chargers at the end, came back like champions, and they prevailed. Very, very valid point there with the, what you said about the champions find a way to win. But I'll tell you, if they face each other again, I wouldn't count San Diego, uh, San Diego, the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles Chargers, uh, I wouldn't count them out. I think they have as good a shot to beat the Chiefs as they did the first game and as they did the last game. I think I don't know if they're a team of the future, Jack. I think they're pretty much a team of now. They're dangerous. They're, they're, they're dangerous now. But you put both teams at their best, you have to give a little edge to the Chiefs based on experience, I'd agree based with that. on hunger, based on being there before. It, you know, and, that, and that's kind of what played out yesterday. Listen, what happens in the regular season honestly becomes irrelevant during the playoffs. I mean, look what happened last year. The Buccaneers lost to the New Orleans Saints twice during the regular season, both regular season games, yet they beat them in the playoffs, you know, when it counted the most. So, you know, it's possible the Chargers and Chiefs meet up again in the playoffs but, you know, there's so many intriguing storylines. I mean, look at how well New England's been playing. A lot of people consider them now one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl. Then they're the teams that were favored early in the year, like the Buffalo Bills. You know, you can't still count them out and a few other teams. Right. Oh, I agree with everything you said there. Um, you know, I, I look at I look at the teams out there right now and, and you know, Chiefs being – I guess you would call them the favorites right now. I guess you could do that, and then you, you, you'd make a great argument for that. Um, Buffalo, I think, still has a lot of a, a lot of uh, a lot of firepower that they can get their running game and defense to play a little bit better. They get in. They 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 got a shot at getting in the Super Bowl. The Patriots, the Patriots are interesting in, in one in one aspect, Jack. They do it the old fashioned way, right? They don't need firepower per se. They're a defensive running team with a lot of heart and they're more old school than the chiefs and the, the chargers and, and the Buffalo bills. Maybe, maybe it's just a matchup check, you know, like in boxing, maybe it's just the matchups depending who plays who, right? If Buffalo, I think if Buffalo played the chiefs, you could consider that almost even, right? But Buffalo has problems with the Patriots because they're running old school football team. I don't know if the chiefs match up well with the Patriots or not. I don't know. And, and that's the thing. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I'm not sure. And same thing with the Chargers. The Chargers, I think, could go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs and with the Bills. But maybe somebody not like Cleveland or Baltimore at full strength or Baltimore at full strength, maybe they don't match up as well. 
because you know the, the Ravens did beat the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs have weapons. Bill Belichick would have to try to keep those weapons in check. No one can do it better than Bill Belichick if the Patriots did play the Chiefs. But you know what it comes down to at the end, like with certain teams, Patrick Mahomes can go out and win you a game. Josh Allen, I believe, can go out and win you a game. Uh, Mac Jones at this point, he's having a wonderful rookie year, okay? And he looks like he's going to be the Patriots quarterback of the future, but they haven't put him in a position, and smartly so, of going out and winning the game. Case in point would be the win, the win game against the Buffalo Bills. He only passed the ball three times in a game like that. So they do what they have to do with Mac Jones, a lot of short passes, they design the offense very smartly. But let's say the Patriot running game isn't working, for example. Matt Jones really isn't going to beat you in the air, not at this point. But, you know, if the Chiefs running game isn't working, Patrick Mahomes still could beat you in the air. Josh Allen can still beat you in the air. But you're right what you said. It's like boxing styles make fights. And something about the Buffalo Bill defense, I mean, when all cylinders are going, they have a swarming defense, they can present some problems, you know, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but listen, let's not forget last year's AFC championship game. We thought the Bills could present some problems to the Chiefs, and the Chiefs beat them relatively easy. Right, and, and the team they had a problem with was the Cleveland Browns, who are more mm -hmm. smash-mouth football team big defense this is what i'm saying jack this is what's very interesting this year to me is not only the cleveland browns that way and the baltimore ravens are that way but the patriots are that way too and they're not really uh dependent on baker mayfield i mean you know uh, uh jackson is 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 pretty much known for his running and that's where he hurts you the most and it's the same thing with the patriots they don't need to throw for a bunch of yardage it's it's the old puncher versus the boxer uh, analogy in, in in football right now, where you have three teams that are up in the front, uh, the the Browns when they're when they're 100, the Patriots, and the Baltimore Ravens, which are very physical teams. I guess teams you could call more finesse, right? The Chargers, the Chiefs, the uh, the uh, uh, Buffalo Bills. That's going to be very interesting in the AFC this year to me. Mac, Mac, you said when the Browns are 100, I think the Browns will take. 75% very happily right now, maybe even 50%. I mean, I said before last week, the Browns are going to make their move. I, I they, they were my pick to go to the Super Bowl. I said they beat the Ravens last week, and they're going to run the table the rest of the year. I just had a feeling the Browns are putting their foot on the accelerator after a slow start. And now with this COVID issue, uh, going into their next game, well, Washington, Baker Mayfield is out because of the COVID thing, but he says he's ready to play. He doesn't feel symptoms. The backup, Case Keenum, is out. Not only is their starting quarterback out, their primary backup is out, and a number of other players are out. I mean, the thing is so out of whack. How's a team, you know, supposed to function? They're bringing up guys from their practice squad and they're looking around the league and they're seeing who was cut by other teams to try to bring them in for like a game. It's mm -hmm. insanity. Yeah, as, as we spoke, spoke about earlier. So in the NFC, Jack, right now you have, uh, of course, 
the Cardinals, which are, are are very explosive. You have the Rams, which are very uh, explosive. Uh, 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 Cardinals That's, are not explosive without DeAndre Hopkins, and he's probably out the rest of the regular season. Well, I, don't know. I, listen, I don't know about that. Games without Hopkins, I know they're scoring 30 or over points. They lost what by – they had 23 points last week without him. But anyway uh, – the, the Rams have uh, can have an explosive offense. They do have a good defense when it shows up. And then you got the 49ers who are a physical team, sort of like the, the Patriots with Jimmy G doing what he has to do to, to, to keep the team going. And then you got the Cowboys. And the Cowboys to me are very, very strange because they'll lose games they shouldn't lose and beat teams <clears throat> that are pretty much even to them, if you know what I'm saying, Jack. I mean, teams in not counting NFC East now. But teams that are they should win, they they have a problem winning. And then you got in the in the in the north, you got Green Bay and Brett. Um, Brett, I always want to say Brett Farr, Aaron Rodgers. I love Brett Farr, Aaron Rodgers, who has choked two last years. I gotta I gotta be honest in the last two championships, but they seem to be rolling. And in the south, of course, the Bucks, who are physical on defense when they're at their best. Have a good running game, and of course they got one of the greatest quarterbacks ever put on Paracletes, Tom Brady. There, so again, I think there's going to be some interesting matchups. Maybe not as interesting to me as the AFC, but you do have some interesting matchups that might play out at the end of the year, Jack. Mac, why do you use the term choke for Aaron Rodgers, and you don't use it for other quarterbacks? I mean, why don't I just say that Patrick Mahomes choked in the Super Bowl last year? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that because I don't believe it's true. <clears throat> but you want to use that expression, okay? I mean, uh, you could explain. You could explain it another time. Listen, the quarterback carousel is very interesting. I don't know whether you saw Jimmy Johnson came out and he talked about Zach Prescott, and even though the words itself weren't negative, if you look at the way he said it. It didn't reflect well on Zach Prescott. He said, well, Zach Prescott can win for you if you put the right players around them. It's like, whoa, you know, it's not like Zach Prescott is the leader and you want to support him with the right players. It, It basically, Jimmy Johnson was saying Zach Prescott is good enough to be a game manager, but not good enough himself to maybe carry and lead the team himself, okay? Certain quarterbacks lead the team. They're the leader of the pack. You put the rest of the chips behind them, they move the chips. I mean, listen, they're not that many elite quarterbacks. Uh, But, you know, Tom Brady's one. Aaron Rodgers is one. Patrick Mahomes is one. You could say Justin Herbert is one. You could say Joe Burrows is one. You know, these guys are going to win for you, but... You know, the way Jimmy Johnson said it about Zach Prescott, and Zach Prescott, there's something about him that's very likable. He said, look, I'm completely healthy, guys. I'm just not playing well. I've got to do better. I'm not happy with the way I'm playing. I kind of like that honesty, him addressing things. Look, I think Zach Prescott's a very good, good quarterback, okay? Was he worth the money Dallas gave him? It remains to be seen. At times, we think he is. At times, he looks really, really elite. But when all is said and done with Zach Prescott, is Zach Prescott just going to be a pretty good quarterback? 
or is he going to be an elite quarterback? I mean, the differences involved at different levels. I mean, is Zach Prescott going to join the Matthew Stafford level of saying he's a good quarterback? You know, these guys got to take the next step. Like, uh, and you know, you mentioned before, well, Arizona's explosive, but DeAndre Hopkins out the rest of the year, the, a team loses his explosiveness when they have an elite wide receiver like that who catches a lot of long passes because now the defenses could be a little more aggressive when they play Arizona because the deep threat that DeAndre Hopkins provided isn't going to quite be there the same way. But listen, it, it, it's so interesting, these playoffs, AFC, NFC. There's going to be one team, Mac. I don't know who it is. We could speculate. We can guess who's going to go on an unexpected playoff run. It doesn't mean they'll go to the Super Bowl, but they'll make a hard charge, maybe get into the AFC or NFC championship game, respectively. Last year was Tennessee, who all of a sudden surprised us. They made a little bit of a charge, winning a couple of games. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it kind of like all depends. Well, yeah, I guess it does. Uh, yeah, I was, I just pulled up the Cardinals. Two years ago was Tennessee. I'm sorry. Two years ago, not last year. Yeah. The Cardinals since, since the Cardinals, since, uh, you know, Hopkins got hurt, they scored 31, they've scored 23, 33, 30, uh, I mean, 23. So they're they're they're, they're still yeah, they putting. You go to the playoffs and playing the elite teams. You're not playing, you know, teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, you play uh, who you play. I I know some teams that have lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars that are going to the playoffs, Jack. Oh, so. speaking of Jacksonville Jaguars, what a game! Uh, let me wait, 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 wait. Let's bring up Byron. He's been sitting back there for a while. Let's bring up our NFL analyst, Byron Williams, former NFL wide receiver star, best known for playing with the New York Giants. How you doing today, Byron? Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? Hey, good, good morning, Byron. I just want to apologize to you for getting you in trouble with Jim Jeff Cove by telling right. you agreed with me that the Cowboys should have drafted Dan Marino ahead of him. Well, me and you know, me and you know football, so you can't never argue with us, but we experts, so... <laughs> So Jim, Byron, you know, Jim, Jim can take, he can take, he's a big boy, so he can take. Yes, he can. He definitely can. Uh, Teddy Bear and all. So Byron, uh, that's a private joke. I, I, if you watch the show, you know what I was talking about. So Byron, you're also a member of the NFLPA, and I want to get your, your, your thoughts on this or any knowledge that you have. Of course, the NFL has gone back to the more stringent guidelines of, you know, of, of how they're handling COVID within the team's organizations, uh, you know, so certain amount of people in the facilities, video calls, all this good stuff that they had last year. But there has been discussions about opening the testing where if you test positive, you're asymptomatic. All you have to do is pass a rapid test. These are discussions now. These haven't been approved yet. Where you get a rapid test and you can go back and play right away if you're negative or, you know, the testing policy itself may be more sensible where they're not testing you all the time. They're just testing you once in a while or when you have symptoms. This is what I got out of it. Do you have any information on that, Byron? Yeah, it's a, they just going back to, you know, the mask wearing and and, uh, and, the, and the social distancing. And they trying to make sure that the players are around uh, people, uh, you know, uh, just like it was at first, you know, we are particular about who you're around. 
uh, not going out a whole lot more. Um, and that, you know, it's just making sure that they're just as a time frame for the players to, to get to get tested from time to time, just to make sure that there's a more consistent. And then they're asking all the players to make sure that they uh, can get their booster as well if they hadn't got their booster shot. So those things are in place again. And I think it's it's also for the staff as well as the players. So the, talk, the talks I'm talking about, Byron, and the ones that are going to allow players to come back faster instead of waiting mm-hmm. five days, have you heard anything about that? Absolutely. Yeah, they, they, are, they, are, they are going to allow players to come back faster uh, just due to the fact that, uh, you know, the consistency – but they added that part in the uh, in the equation for us. They are allowing them to come back faster instead of waiting a week or two, depending on you know the previous test that they had taken. Okay, good. good. Now, Byron, I don't know what the answer is. I've been discussing it with Mac, but just the thought: the season is about half the year, or you know, training camp and everything involved. Uh, why not basically put the players on the house arrest, make them all stay at a hotel? They can't leave during the time. I know it's brutal, but listen, the guys are making a lot of money. I mean, maybe the term saying house arrest is the wrong words to use. I said it kind of half-jokingly with that, meaning they can't get out. And this way you could control it to an extent. But even then... Once they hit the field, their workers and other people, who's to say they're not going to come into contact with someone who might conceivably be positive and then go back to the hotel? I mean, it's an impossible situation, especially like when you look what's happening with the Cleveland Browns. It seems like the NFL is putting an end to their season, even though they're letting them play. They're just bringing in guys you know, like taxi drivers basically who once played the game just to put a team on the field. Yeah, and unfortunately, I, I, I think the sad, that's the sad part of it. I know Baker Mayfield was highly upset about it. And, you know, he, the, the players' reps, uh, the executive committee of the players' uh, player association are the ones who help make those decisions. They actually run run things. Uh, and it was that decision, I guess, and I guess until this point, I guess you got to you know talk to your players throughout each team to make sure that everybody on the same page. But also, you know, I think it's important that the coaches and the owners and, and everybody uh, communicate. But I think it'd be hard to ask players to stay in the hotel and, and to do those type of things because they want their freedom. They want to go home to their families and whatnot. But I just think, too, that uh, the players reps, and the and the executive committee of the NFLPA got to make sure that everybody's on the same page, and 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 that, you know, it's it, you know, it's it's it is what it is. It, it, you know, they they got to make decisions based on making sure these games are being played. Uh, they ain't gonna hardly cancel games because there's so much involved. So I just think that that everybody should know the the guidelines and the things that they have set in place, and they need to abide by them. I mean, it. Encourage your players to get the booster shot. I mean that it's a it's a fact. It's a known fact that nobody is tested positive, and 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 your chance of playing is a, a lot better percentage uh, than you know getting getting uh, the COVID or, or getting sitting out, and that's that really hurts hurts the team. I mean, it, it's so many teams in the playoff run, and if your team ain't ain't got the majority of your players, um, you know you're gonna be hurt. You're gonna be hurting in the in the, in the uh, in the situation and just and these are the facts i think 
uh, that's what you need to go by. And I think, um, you know, the NFL have really hounded, you know, a really great up until this point. Well, Byron, let's let's get back to football now. Uh, mm-hmm. Last night, a great game, playoff caliber game, the Chargers and the Chiefs. The Chargers beat the Chiefs first game, and the Chiefs come roaring back. And I don't know about roaring back is the right answer, but they come back. They they do the two-point conversion, force it into overtime. They win in overtime. Um, I mean, this is the type of football that I expect to be seeing near the end of the year with, with teams that are going to the playoffs. And I think I think if you look at it, I mean, Jack made a great point. Champions find ways to win, and that's 100% correct. But to me, the Chargers are right there with the Chiefs this year. If they face each other again, it's going to be a toss-up. Um, they both play well. They both got good offenses. They match up really well. There's not a bad matchup between the two. Um, the only thing, the only edge they have, which Jack mentioned, is that they were there before and they got the experience. Did you get a chance to uh, to check out the game last night? I watched the game. Um, I, I think too, um, football is a game of momentum and changes. So if 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 I'm if I'm up fourteen to ten at halftime, and we tried to to score three plays, and I'm gonna go ahead and kick the field goal on fourth down. That way I go up 17 to 10 at halftime. And then I go into the game feeling a lot better. The players feel good. They even came out. And and when they these teams play, it's usually the team with the ball last. And that's that's what happened last night. I'd rather go up seven points and then go up four points at halftime. And so, you know, you heard the stands, you heard the fans, some they got some booze. I don't understand Brandon Staley like to like to to try to score a touchdown against the Kansas City Chiefs. He stated that, which is good. I mean, but for me, uh, it's about going into the into a halftime with a momentum mindset. Then come out and play the second half because you know they initially started the game off with a bang on the kickoff, and I just think that you know football is a game of momentum, and you got to have this game. I mean, you have a chance to really win this game at home. We are not ready to beat them over there in Kansas City. So I just think too that. It's the timing of it, and it's, it's the philosophy of your coaching. And I think, to me, I understand going for touchdowns and making sure that you can, you know, be in a good position because also and then I look at the defensive backs. They miss tackles. I mean, you just can't let uh, Kelsey, Kelsey run up and down the field without trying to tackle him. I understand he's big and powerful, but, man, we got to have somebody in that secondary that can make some tackles and, and be able to make some plays as well. So. There's a lot of things I saw, but, you know, I really like the Chargers. I thought the Chargers should have won that game, and I predicted it in the weird, and they, they should have won. And I just think that Kansas City, uh, you know, you can't get them a, a second chance, and that's what happened last night. Well, you mentioned that first possession with the long kickoff return where they came up empty. Mm-hmm. Beginning of the game, okay, they had fourth down on something like the five-yard line of the Chiefs. Okay, fourth and goal. Really, so it was either touchdown, kick a field goal, or whatever, and they went for it. And conventional football tells you to kick the field goal, take the three points. But then again, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck said the analytics say, Yeah, to go for it, you know, you're better off going for it. That's what the analytics say, and you get the feeling the Chargers were following the analytics, following the stats, what to do. And I kind of liked it, analytics or not. I'm going to tell you why. Because unlike the time you played, Byron, the field goal kickers have stronger legs. 
They could kick an extra 10 yards. So even if you don't get the touchdown and it's incomplete, and we feel for Donald Parmalay, we sent out our best early in the show who suffered the injury on that fourth down where they didn't, you know, score the touchdown. Uh, chances are if your defense does its job, they're going to punt. You're going to get the ball back in good position. You can always go for long field goals, you know. That's always going to be there for you. So if you're right near the end zone, to me, you go for it unless the situation in the game absolutely calls for a field goal attempt. Yeah, but I I also think uh, coaches like Bill Parcells and coaches like that, uh, after three downs, you're inside the five or inside the ten, and you'll make and you'll score a touchdown. Uh, fourth down, they're gonna what kick the field goal. That's that's traditional football coaching, right? That's 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 what happened. But like I said, it's a game of momentum. I mean, you got to you got to understand that you got to have the momentum when you got fans in the stands that booing booing you. Something is wrong with that. I mean, every, I mean, you don't need that at home because everybody's hearing it. I mean, you know, it don't take a, a massive – it don't take – some kids would have kicked the field goal if they were coaching. But I'm just saying that you got to go ahead and put points on the board. I'd rather have points on the board than having zero and then try to depend on my defense. You can't depend on your defense when you have Patrick Mahomes on the football field. That's my. That's that's what I think. That's why the Chargers went for it because they felt they needed seven points because Patrick Mahomes is opposite them and he has all this firepower around. You would be up by seven instead of four at halftime, ten to fourteen. Oh, I'd rather go in halftime at 10, 17 to ten, though. You know, you know, you know, Byron. I never played or coached football scared about what the other team would do. I've never done that, and I think too many people in football play defensively even on offense right we got to score a touchdown because if we don't Patrick Mahomes is going to throw a touchdown or Aaron Rodgers is going to throw, throw a touchdown and what you do is you set these guys up to have an e easier time to get back as you said I mean if Bill Belichick was there that game guess what he would have kicked the field there's no doubt in my mind absolutely. Bill Belichick absolutely. absolutely and 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 you know if you're going to play football that way you deserve to lose you do what you can to put points on the board. I don't care if it's three, if it's two, a safety. I don't care what it is. I want that other team to be playing catch-up all the time. And if I'm giving them the ball and not getting any points, that's a, that that can cause a 14-point a swing the other way. And then you're buried. And I understand yeah. the, I understand the conventional thinking. Oh, don't give Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers the ball with this amount of time left. Or, that's not how you play football, in my book, anyway. You go down there, you score, you keep the ball for as long as you can. But listen, I'm not playing scared. And that's a coach's problem. That's not the that's team's the problem. problem. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you go and you put points on the board. I don't care what it is. I don't care what the analytics say. I don't care. I don't care who you're playing. Because there are – as you – go ahead, Byron. And, and I, I agree with you, Matt. And, and just think about this. If you are inside the five-yard line and you, you – you don't run the ball sometimes. You have to still run the ball and run and have your running back to run up the middle and dive. No, that's not a good play. You don't do that. I would have ran off tackle or run some type of draw, a dive play, dive off off tackle. A trap. And try to get outside, have an option to go outside. Running up the middle, you know everybody's going up there. They batting the ball. They batting this ball. You fumble the ball inside the five-yard line. Yeah. Things that they done last night, I think they gave that game away. 
I think, uh, no doubt, the Chargers should have won the game. And um, that right now they're playing at a high level. You got one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game, and you're not taking advantage of it. I mean, even – I know they said the pass was high to Cooks, but, man, you, you are a professional tight end. You catch those balls all day long. Little things like that. That's another touchdown that they didn't that they didn't get. Just the little thing changed the momentum of the game and gave gave Kansas City a lot of confidence of going down there and being in the game. That's and look, I, that's and look, I'm not I'm not going to take credit away from Kansas City. Kansas City won the game. I mean, they yeah. took advantage of the mistakes. That's what they're supposed to do. They took advantage of the situation. That's what they're supposed to do. That's what champions do, as Jack said. That's what champions do. They take advantage of your miscues or your calls that, that mess up. That's what championship teams do. So, Hey, I give all the, all the credit to Kansas city in the world. I think San Diego's got to play a lot smarter if they see each other again. That's for sure. They got to play. They got, they got to, they got to think about what happened this game and, and, and make adjustments because if they do that again against Kansas city, it may not even be that close. Kansas city. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And they, they got to go out there that, that bad weather up in, up in Kansas. So, yeah. Uh, they won't play at home, I don't think. Because I'll tell you, the Chiefs, the, the Chiefs got you. They're going to take you. You can't give oh, them yeah. the opportunity. You can't give them the opportunity. So let's right. let's look a little bit about some of the big games coming up. Uh, an interesting uh, one, too, that's not really a big game, but I want to talk about it a little bit. Um, okay. Let's start with the interesting game. How will the Jags respond to Urban Meyer being gone, playing against Houston? I mean, this is a winnable game for the Jacksonville Jaguars to begin with. But do you think I think I think they're gonna respond well? I think I think uh, Urban Meyer is still in La La Land, and he's you know he's coaching professional athletes versus coaching college athletes, and I think the team gonna respond. I think that that might have been one of the things he wants the headline, or he used to the headline. I think the Jaguars gonna gonna take it to another level, and I think uh, they do have some talent there. But yeah. Houston gonna get smashed. I think they're gonna get smashed. I I, I just think it. Houston. You know, done some things in the last year or so, and they having so many problems off the field. But I, I think the Jaguars would take care of business, and I think uh, Urban Meyer had a great opportunity today with the Jaguars, but he he blew it. He did some things that you know you you don't do as a as a football coach in the National Football League. There's only 32 guys holding this position, and you went down and missed it, messed up messed up this great opportunity. You know, it makes it's kind of a big game, Jacksonville and Houston, and no laugh because both teams are one half game ahead of the Detroit Lions for the number one overall pick in the draft. So, actually, if you're part of the fan base, a part of you might be hoping your team loses the game if there's a particular player you want to get. But from what I see in the draft, there are no elite quarterbacks out there. Jacksonville wouldn't take one anyway, but Houston certainly would love to be in a position to take an elite college quarterback if one were available. That's probably why Houston's going to lose, because they need a quarterback. Well, Detroit is a half game ahead. They have Jared, Jared Joff, but if you had an elite college quarterback, I think that would be the direction they would go in. I think, yeah, they'll, have, I I think they'll have the opportunity anyway. You figure they just have their quarterback. Uh, I think Detroit pretty much is going to go with Goff uh, for the next couple of years or whatever, see what he's got. So I think no matter – if Houston wins or loses, they're still going to get probably a third pick. Uh, yeah, and I think the Jaguars going to get the defensive lineman from Michigan. I mean, he, he's going to be the player that yeah. I would get. That would be the player I would get. Unless yeah. Detroit picks him up. So, uh, you know, so well, that, that may be yeah, something. Campbell's type of guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
like kneecaps. That's his type of player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. He does. Absolutely. So, so let's take a quick look. Um, over at uh, we've got Green Bay against Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore's pretty banged up. Their offensive line. Uh, we don't know if Jackson's going to start or not. Um, right. So, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting. This is one of the, the games that me and Jack were talking about. I think style means a lot, just as much as it does in boxing, just as much as it does in basketball, other sports. Yeah. You don't have to be the most high-powered offense, but if you have a physical defense and a physical running game going against a team that's a little bit more finesse, I consider Green Bay a little bit more finesseful if that's even a word, than Baltimore. So I'll be interesting to match up, Byron. You're going to have this team that likes to punch you in the mouth against a team with a quarterback that will throw you throw you down the chute if you don't if you're not careful. So it should be an interesting Absolutely. game. It should be an interesting game. Yeah, it should be real interesting. But I, I I just think too, when you depend so heavily on your quarterback and you're so one dimensional, and and if he's not you know he's not 100 percent healthy this time of the year. Then you know you got to definitely like Green Bay chances because of of the defenses have improved and start playing well, and and Green Bay right now just right now they're just playing with confidence. I mean they you can see that running backs are doing a great job. I mean all the receivers are there, and Aaron Rodgers just he cut you up and slice and dice you in, in all kind of ways. So I just like you know and, and then just the way they're struggling. Baltimore just been trying to find an answer all year. And and their defense is not playing like they like they was playing. The secondary is not playing that well. But you know they depend wholeheartedly on Lamar Jackson, and I think that's sad and that's bad. And it's, and it catches up with you because football is a long season, and it's all about being who the health is going into the playoff run. Lamar Jackson, I think, is more hurt than is let on a lot more because early in the year he had such a bounce to his step. I mean, he single handedly seemed to win about three games with his heroics. He was lightning quick. Now he's yeah. suddenly grown old. I mean, yeah. he's actually looks slow at times out there. You know, he has a hard time moving around. And uh, so I think it's going to come out, you know, at the end of the season that Lamar Jackson is more hurt than it's been led on. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you absolutely right. Yeah, so we I got, agree with that. We got, Byron, we got Tennessee – Versus the Steelers, the Steelers second half against the Vikings. If they can continue to play that way, they got they they, they may make a little run here. Tennessee, I, I mean, I don't know about Tennessee. I mean, I don't think Derrick Henry is back. Uh, their their offense seems a little lost without him. Their defense sometimes has big games. Sometimes they don't. It's going to be interesting. Who do you think is going to win that game? I told Jeff Carlson. I I think the Steelers can win. Uh, they play at home. Um, at this time of the year, in December, the leaves are orange, and you know that 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 weather, and the 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 gray skies up there. I just think that uh, the Steelers gonna gonna have a run, kickoff run. I think they're gonna flip the script. They they start off winning last year. I think they're gonna end up winning this season because they got to have this game. And I think by them having a tie, it's gonna gonna make a difference in them making the playoffs. So I think they might be my my little old sneaky playoff run team. Because uh because of what they got to do and this being last year to play so I think they're gonna be playing hard I know um, Hayworth were talking the other night that you know they've been having great practices this week so I think Pittsburgh is gonna be the team to uh, to watch 
I'm going to tell you, too, it's kind of like a Ben Roethlisberger watch. I'm not sure whether he knows whether he's going to retire or not. I would think he would want to retire as a stealer, not to play for another team. You can't read his mind, but I would think that's the direction that he's going in. But what are the Steelers' alternatives if Big Ben doesn't come back? They're not going to draft high enough to get an elite college quarterback, and there might not be any out there altogether next year's draft. And I can't see them turning it over to Mason Rudolph. He isn't really an upgrade from even this version of Ben Roethlisberger. And if you say Dwayne Haskins, the way Matt does, don't make me laugh. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, here. So I think Big Ben, if he can play halfway decent, they'll welcome him back. And I think he'll work out his contract, you know, with the team so they'll have some flexibility. So I have a feeling we might not have seen the last of Big Ben unless he plays very poorly in the remaining games. What do you think about that? Matt? I think I think Ben that was Big, Haskins. That's Big, Big Ben. I think Big Ben's all done, and you got too many quarterbacks out there that have a possibility of being traded or being picked up. Russell Wilson, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that were looking to move. And you still have a lot of second-string quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers. No one is looking to move Aaron Rodgers. Russell well, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was looking to move Aaron Rodgers, Jack. So anyway, he's got a contract coming up. We don't know yet. We don't know that he was very unhappy. He said he wanted to leave. So we don't know. He said he wanted to leave, and of course, Russell Wilson has said he wanted to be traded. So there are quarterback options out there for the Steelers, uh, besides the great Dwayne Haskins. So. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, there's, there's, listen, there's quarter, there's plenty of quarterbacks to choose from out there. Honestly, I mean, it depends. And I, I think I, I was gonna say I think Ben ain't gonna gonna retire. I think he's he's, he's he's done. I think he's done. I, think I, think he's done. done. I mean, get out while you still can walk, right? Um, yeah. Another 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 uh, interesting game, real quick, Byron is Cincinnati uh, playing Denver. Both have wild card aspirations. Denver sometimes looks really good, sometimes not so good. And it's the same thing with Cincinnati. They're up and down, too. It depends on the matchup. If they match up against certain teams, they'll blow you out. But against other teams, I mean, they have problems. So what are you looking for in that game? Are you looking for Denver to play it tight to the vest, conservative, and Cincinnati just trying to you know, score as many points as they can? Yeah, I, I look at, too, I think the linebacker core for Denver is playing better. Yeah. And uh, so I, I think uh, – uh, Cincinnati going to that uh, atmosphere, that climate up there in, in Denver might be the difference maker. And I, I just look for I, I look for Denver to win at home. I really do because can, can, uh, Cincinnati been one of those teams up and down, up and down. You don't know what you're going to get from them. But, man, but I, I do like uh, everything that Cincinnati has been doing this year, the excitement but on offense. You know, uh, Burrell is running, you know, running things really good for the, for the team. But I just think, too, that uh, – Cincinnati is so inconsistent, you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of them. So, but I, I just think Denver will probably win a, win a game at home. They've been playing well at home. Byron, that's what I'm thinking. You sometimes you get a sense about a team. You can't pinpoint it with individual players, but sometimes you sense a team is gelling, coming together. You get that feeling with Denver, especially their defensive unit. They're gelling. They're coming together. In Cincinnati, you get the impression they're like a big weapon team. You know, right. Chase, Mixon, Burrow, you know, unless they're going to have very big, big games, you know, I'm not that high on the Bengals. Yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 see, I see it the same way as you do. I think so, too. 
I think and, and playing and playing in Denver is, is man, that air get thin for a quarter. <laughs> you be sick for her. I'll tell you that. Can the visiting team do anything about that? You know, they're going to play at Denver. Uh, you just have to suck it up, and there's not enough time to get adjusted. No, you don't really. Don't, if you go out there two or three days earlier, maybe it'll help. But no teams. You know, do you know, we never talk about we talk about how thin the air is in Denver. How about how heavy the air is for Denver when they go and leave Denver? Is it heavier yeah. for Denver and they can't handle it? Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. No, anyway. no, but 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 they in good shape though, uh, Matt. No, they in good shape because of the, the thin air. I understand. Really, I understand. I understand. Yeah. I'm just I'm just talking. Um. So on the NFC East, all the teams are playing this week, which is very interesting to begin with. I want to focus with you on the Giants in Dallas. Dallas should hand the Giants a loss. There's no doubt about it. So should have the Eagles handed the Giants a loss when they played. There's just something yeah. different when when you're playing in division. And I don't care what teams there are. As, as Baltimore has shown us, they you know they're outside the division. They're dynamite inside the division. They're about average. So, mm -hmm. you know, Dallas comes to the Giants. Dak Prescott has a new girlfriend. That's why he's not playing so well, just to let Jack yeah, we know. We found that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah he, he's got a new girlfriend, so he's, his mind is not all the way in football. Are you, are you joking? You're serious, man. No, we we, we found that out this week. Yeah. We yeah. we made Jeff Coat. We get Jeff to go find all this stuff out about the Cowboys. So we, he revealed that to us a couple of days ago. Yeah. So well, that, Jeff Coat had a lot of great players around, and that helped bail him out when he wasn't on top of his game. But that's another issue. And plus, but he anyway. didn't have no girlfriend. He can't get a girlfriend. Right. Jeff. Jeff. Jeff, Jeff just yeah. took who, whoever took him. You know. That's why. That's how Jim. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You started, and then you want to get out. Forget it. I don't anyway. want to get involved with this talk. Anyway. Anyway. Um, Come on, Jack. So, so Dak, Dak, uh, maybe a little bit, uh, you know, not concentrating as much on football as he should be, which I doubt. But Dallas should easily, easily beat the Giants. The Giants are a second-string quarterback, maybe third-string. Uh, Barkley's hurt. Everybody's hurt. Everybody has COVID. The Giants are just uh, uh, terrible. I'll be honest. And you know, I'm a fan of the Giants. They're just terrible. But every time I say that, like when they play the Eagles, I said they're not going to beat can, the Eagles. Can you they, see this? Can you see this? I got the homecoming. Homecoming. NY homecoming. All right. So we got to play some defense this week because, of oh, course, we ain't going to have to score no points since Danny Jones is out there. But I'm telling you that they're going to play hard this week. Heck, with Daniel they, Jones, we don't score a lot of points, by it. I don't care who the quarterback is. So I'm, I'm expecting the game to be 9 to, nine to 6. I One of those. What's one of those Buffalo Jaguar games? Nine to six. Well, Matt, Mac, I don't know whether you're considering it's the Dallas Cowboys. Any team going against the Cowboys, the Cowboys have that magic name. So you're always going to kind of be up for the Cowboys because it's a spotlight game, no matter That's how bad your team is. It's a division you know, you're game. You're up for it because you're playing the it's, Dallas it's a, Cowboys. It's a division game. They play them twice a year, Jack. It's not like, are out of it. It doesn't matter that it's a I, No, I'm talking about what you just said. I'm talking about the Giants and the Cowboys. You said Dallas is a magic name. They play the Giants two times a year since 1960. There's no magic name to the Giants when it comes to the Cowboys. They're just division rivalries. And it doesn't yeah. matter what position you're in, you always play end up playing tough games against the teams you see all the time. That just makes sense. So all I'm saying is that Dallas should win this no problem. They should. They but should. Yeah. There's a division game, and that always gives you pause for the cause. That's all I'm saying, Jack. So let me ask you this about the Giants, guys. Why will it 
Giants be better next year? This was the year they were supposed to take a leap forward. A lot of people are picking them to win the division. So I don't see where are the building blocks for next year. I mean, what's going on for them to be better? So we have an offseason. We have a new training camp. We have a couple of new moves made in the offseason. Like every team is going to make moves in the offseason. Where are the building blocks? You want to see that the team is trending upwards. I don't quite see it with the Giants. Well, I just think they get, had a lot of injuries. Uh, I, I, I think the injuries got them early. Um, <clears throat> they lost some games that they probably should have won earlier. So it, they, that right that, that changed the flow of everything. But injuries really got the Giants, in my opinion. Listen, I'm going to tell you what the Giants need, and they've needed this since they let go of their other offensive line coach. They need an offensive line coach, a real yeah. good hard-nosed offensive line coach to get that line playing good. If they don't get that offensive line playing good, I don't care. I mean, they've drafted offensive line in the past few years. Yeah. And if you can't get that offensive line playing good, which they stink, they period, they just – there's no other word for it. Their offensive line stinks. Well, they had to get rid of Coach Colombo, Mac. I understand, the- I understand why. I understand why the head coach. I understand why. I almost fist fight. But there are other good offensive line coaches out there. And you got to go get yourself a good offensive line coach, a great offensive line coach, or the Giants are going to have the same record as they did this year, Jack. I'm answering your question for you. Well, but can I can I say something? And Byron can comment on this. I didn't see what happened during the interaction, but if you're an offensive line coach and you're teaching your players, and the head coach comes and he's correcting you, and you know his background as as a special teams coach, it could irk you a bit. Like this. I know more than this guy. What's he cutting in on me and overruling me on what to show the players? So I can kind of understand his contempt for the head coach, but he should have talked to him about it in private. But and, and that's why you have these coaches being before practice. And and, and so you kind of, that should never happen. I mean, the judge should have never done that. I think that's really bad on his part, but he's the type of coach that want to be in control. And I understand that too. So, uh, you know, I, I just think it, when you lose, it's so many fingers are pointing. But when you win, we all are doing everything right. But, yeah, it, well, and that's the difference between winning and losing, no doubt. Well, Byron, you know, I mean, you played the game for years. If your offensive lineman, the offensive line is not at least solid, which they're not. Right. Giants, right. If they're not solid, you don't got a chance to win. You're not going to win anymore. No. That's not going to that's, that's, like, that's why I like the coach. The offensive line is is good, getting jealous, and they are, they are they are they are proving that they are dominating these games now. So you can see the change in everything from the quarterback to the running back and the receiver. They they are protecting and they are creating gaps, and and so the running back is running. They all on they click on all cylinders. So and, and you're absolutely right. People don't look at the line, and that's very important. I think that was a great point. The offensive line sucks. If you ain't got the coach, offensive line coach. And those offensive linemen on, on, on track, we had Bart Oak on, on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about that. He, and that's what's missing with the Giants. They they don't have an offensive line. You can get all the receivers and all the Kings horses and men you want if you don't got those foot soldiers up in front of you that are at least playing decent. You don't have right. an offensive I mean, you could just tell by the point out front. You could tell there's nobody yep. running for a lot of yards. You could tell the quarterback doesn't have enough time to pass. I mean, the whole thing is just, it just sticks. So hopefully – uh, they do better with that next year, and that's what they. You need, need the guys. You get, bottom line is, you need the players. No matter how great a coach you are, you're going to struggle. Look, look, the great Bill Belichick 
was with the Cleveland Browns for five years. He made, I think, the playoffs only once, okay? And this is Bill Belichick, you know, he got the players when he came to New England and he coached them, I guess, better than anyone else would have. But uh, you have to have the players, bottom line. But with that said, I think the Giants actually have the players. They have the personnel. They just haven't performed. Yeah, I I, I just think, too, they, they got some injuries, too. But the offensive line is tough. Everybody really has injuries, Byron. No more excuses. They need an offensive line. And they need an <laughs> offensive line coach. That's what they need. Byron, thank you again for coming in. Everybody, please check out the YouTube show, J&B Talking Shop, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Great show with him and uh, the former NFL star, two-time Super Bowl champion, Jim Jeffcoat. Great show. They they break down the NFL out. Great guests. Byron, have a great Friday, my friend. All right, you guys have a great weekend. Take care, Byron. All right. So there you go, folks. Byron Williams, our NFL analyst. We're going to take a quick break here, uh, and uh, and uh, we'll be right back on the other side, and uh, and uh, with Keith Angle, TGI Sports Tacos. See you in a few minutes. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy, but you're aching yet in stomach here, this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Those speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. Your Wendy's kind of people. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma? This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer for you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.
Joe's presents Chester Cheetah. I'm Chester Cheetah. I'm just a cool dude in a loose mood. Until I see those Cheetos. Then my cool turns to drool. My style and ease surrender to my urge for the snack. Let goes crunch. It's not easy being cheesy. Cheetos cheese flavored snack. Cheese that goes crunch. If you talk, your name will hear you every single time. Now we're getting killed. Yeah. Well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle's mother kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. He's zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt, that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show here on our Friday edition. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch, as we kind of review and preview all sports here on the Mac and Jack Sports Show Friday. Uh, we're on Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m., live here on Facebook, YouTube, and also on Twitch, folks. And we'll be on the rest of our platforms later. Uh, backstage right now, I have one of my partners in crime, one of the best talk show hosts streaming today on TGI Sports Talk, Keith Angle. We're going to bring him up and talk a little bit about a lot of different sports here. We got college. We've got uh, we've got a bunch of things going on with the Pats and the Knicks. And Keith will be here to talk to us all about it right now. So let's bring him up. Let's do that and then that. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Such high praise. I blush. <laughs> you blush. Yeah, your whole head turns red along with your cheeks. Did you know that? Yeah, it does sometimes. You used to see me when I'm talking with Carlos, so how red it gets. Uh, it gets yeah, it gets a little crazy. I think Carlos follows you over here because we always improve. Well, we improve a view every time you come over, and normally it's Carlos uh, that starts making comments. So he follows you religiously, just to let you know. He that. does. He's almost like a stalker, but uh... yeah, he is. He is. He comes on sometimes when you're not here, like when you're not at the show. But other than that, oh, I've seen him. He's he's very he's very he's very excited when you're on there. Jack's quiet. So, is Jack in his villa in uh, in Florida? Is that where? Yeah, you're that, that's where I am. You know, I dressed up like with a button-down shirt today because Mac was really critical of the way I was dressed yesterday. Oh. He didn't care that I had been on the road driving for three days. 
I was tired. I was unpacked. I'd had a bad cold. I was harried. There was no sympathy for Mac. He feels that when it's game time, you go out and perform no matter what. Yes, yes. And you and, and you know better, Keith, than to, to talk when Jack's talking because I know. So so anyway. Right. Um, bad, bad, bad move on my part. Yes, yes, yes. So Keith I'm waiting for the lockout to end because I can't wait to hear Keith's take on Gary Sanchez. So I'm well, waiting for the well, we'll 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 talk about that when the lockout does <laughs> end. Right now I want to talk to him a little bit about uh the Knicks. Now the Knicks kind of had a new start lineup they put together for their win against uh against Houston. Not a big feat by any imagination, but they still won. And you saw Burks getting 37 minutes, quickly getting 32 minutes. He was the high scorer. McBride got 36. Mitchell got 30. And even uh Gibson got 16 minutes. So Tibbs is kind of experimenting with the with the players he has right now. They worked out uh, pretty well uh, against Houston. But again, it's against Houston, Keith. But here's Tibbs, it looks like, trying to get some chemistry going with the Knicks. One in seven since he benched Kemba Walker. Um, you know, I've been giving them a benefit of the doubt, and week after week I come say, don't panic, don't panic. Well, we've gone from five games out of uh, the top spot to eight and out of the playoffs. And as I said, one win, I think, at the, since we chatted last week. Um, and things just aren't getting any better. And I think I think you're going to see some serious trade talk about Walker and about uh, um, Fournier. They can trade them now. I think, there's a, I think there's a league rule where you can't trade them, be, you know, before X amount of games have been played uh, once when they've signed as a free agent. But they passed that point now. And, and this is not working. I'm not sure what they're going to do. But this isn't working. Randall is becoming a problem now. He's disappearing at parts of games and not playing defense the way that he did last year, the way he bought into Tibbs' culture. And I, I, I'm i starting – and I've been a big Julius Randall fan. You know, last year I, I defended him when, when Jack said he wasn't a guy you build around. But right now he's, he's not that guy. and He's got to get back to where he was or the Knicks are nowhere without Randall. You know, speaking of Kemba Walker, it's kind of cruel how he's been treated not to be able to be allowed off the bench, even for a couple of minutes of mop-up time at the end. Every game, you look at the box score, DNP did not play. And then it's a coach's decision. He's healthy. He's ready to play. That's got to be driving Kemba Walker up the wall. It's mentally taxing on him. He's been a kind of a star in the league you could say and just not to play at all i can understand you take them out of rotation but you mean you can't use them for anything and if you're looking to trade him and that's the reason and you don't want him to get injured you've devalued him if anything you want to play him and let him play well a couple of games and increase his value and maybe get something in return i just don't get it yeah it makes me wonder you know how much Thibodeau was involved in the acquisition in the first place, you know, to go this early in the season. I mean, this is what, eight games ago. So they'd only played like, I can't do math very well, uh, 29. They'd only played like 20 games or 21 games to take your starting point guard and make him the 15th guy on the, on the bench. I wonder whether Thibodeau was not a big fan of bringing him in in the first place. So, 
that brings up another question. You know, is Rosen, are Rosen Thibodeau on the same page right now? Good listen, point. Listen, Tim, Kemba Walker did play nothing for the Knicks when he played. So I listen. You oh, can't. I, agree. I don't disagree. Yeah, I mean, let's let let's not feel sorry for Kemba Walker right now. He stunk when he played. Plain and simple. He's no. My only, my only point is how much Tibbs wanted him in the first place. That's all. Well, I mean, listen. I mean, he jumped up. That 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 could be true. I was just I was just talking about the different combinations that he used last night, giving quickly yeah. more minutes, Burks more minutes, which I think is is if you're going to look to to change things around, you've got to make some. I mean, Barrett didn't play at all, so I don't know what that was all about. I don't know whether he's yeah. whether he thinks Barrett isn't playing well or what, but he's trying different combinations, which I think is a little encouraging anyway. Uh, instead of just sticking with the same old thing that hasn't been working, so that's well, you're right. He's got he's got to try to switch things up, and he is trying to do what he can do. I mean, you know, with what's there before they make a major major move that uh, is going to really impact uh, this team tremendously. I'm trying to see if Barrett was a uh, was coach's decision. Uh, yeah, they don't. I think he was hurt last night because he's not a coach's decision not played. Guys, so. the only two major moves the Knicks can logically make, and one. I can't see the Philadelphia 76ers trading within their division Ben Simmons to the Knicks because of the, if Ben Simmons drives with the Knicks, it would really make the Sixers look bad. And the Knicks would have to give up pieces like R.J. Barrett, Toppin, et cetera, to get him. Not that it would necessarily be a bad deal, but I don't see the Sixers making it. The other is Damian Lillard, but Damian Lillard hasn't been the same player. That could be a disaster, you know, it, the amount of cap space he would take up, and he's and Portland hasn't been winning with Damian Lillard, so I just don't see where the Knicks can go from here. I think they just have to bear it out and realize last year was their ceiling, getting a fourth seed. It's not going to be that good again for a while, and and just well, see how players develop and take it from there. It doesn't look good. It just doesn't look good, guys. Yeah, just settling for, you know, not being as good as last year is not going to sit well with a fan base. And as far as Simmons goes, he's not a guy that I, I don't want to give up anything for him because anybody who quits on his team the way this guy has in the middle of a contract, I just don't want him on my team. He does, it's, it's not a good look. You say it's not a good look for the – for the Sixers, I don't think it's a good look for the Knicks to bring a guy like that into this mix. Well, that's why they haven't gotten rid of Simmons yet, because other teams feel the same way. Yeah, I agree. Let's 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 take a quick look at the at college. I don't really want to get. We've gotten into the games already, the playoffs. Hey, the bomb bowl today. Everybody's excited about the Bahama Bowl today at was, noon. You just segued into what I was going to talk about. The Bahama Bowl starting today. You know, Keith, I, I looked. I, I'm old enough to remember when there was like three or four significant bowl games. I right? had the Cotton Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and the Orange Bowl. I think the Sugar Bowl might have been there or not. I'm not 100% sure. But that's where the main matchups happen with the best teams, right? That Those bowl games we look forward to, to watch like Texas play Notre Dame or, you know, Miami play Notre Dame or, or you know, can, um, um, Oklahoma, Nebraska, stuff like that. The major powerhouses back then, even Michigan, seemed to always be in the Rose Bowl. So that was what we saw growing up as, as the games, the, the playoff, the championship, who was the best team in the country. I went through today and starting with the Bahama Bowl, going all the way down to the Texas Bowl, the last one where LSU plays Kansas State. There was 42 bowl games. 
After the championship game, that game's played, by the way. That's ridiculous. Yes. There's 42 bowls. And I was thinking, and I thought this as they kept adding bowls, you know, they started diluting the bowl games, right? I mean, they didn't mean much. You had teams playing below 500 to 500 getting the bowls. And I think in in, in a certain way, this is what gave birth to the playoff system, right? Because – I mean, the bowls were no longer the bowls anymore. We're looking, we're looking at, you know, these teams we never heard of playing. And even just having that amount of bowls, I think, diluted the bowl system a lot. And that's why they tr- they turned to having some kind of playoff uh, championship rounds. I don't disagree. And as far as it being diluted, and there was, you know, there was the Sugar Bowl does have a long, a fairly long tradition just to go to that. You know, and the Fiesta Bowl was one of the newer ones, but it but it quickly gained some prominence. And there's still, I mean, there's still a good dozen good bowl, bowl games. I mean, I'm fine with that. But I got in trouble, kind of in trouble, for talking about this on the college football huddle. That this is kind of a, a an extension of the part- participation trophy syndrome we have in this country. Everybody's got to go to a bowl game. Well, no, no, they don't. I mean, why do I want to watch a bunch of six and six teams play each other with nobody in the stands? Because all it is is a is a tool to fill up ESPN's uh, TV schedule. And the mm-hmm. the argument you get is, well, you know, it's good for these schools because they get to have an extra month or whatever to practice where they would have to stop if they weren't going to bowl games. Well, just let everybody practice an extra month after the season then. Yeah. Why have all these games that there's not going to be anybody at? You turn on that Bahama Bowl if you can stand to do it, Mac, and tell me how many people, you can probably count them uh, yourself, how many people will be in the stands for that game. Keith, but you just said it, it means a lot to the schools. I remember making a comment about that with boxing once there was this local state in intercontinental belt. The promoter told me, but it means a lot to the fighters. It might not mean much to us looking on the outside. And let's it fills up some ESPN programming. Who cares? We're not going to watch it anyway. We're just going to see the result. And I think it's pretty harmless at this point. I mean, in some cases, it means something to the schools. But, I mean, do you think that, uh, you know, Oregon State really cares about going to play in the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl? I don't think that's that big a deal. I think it gives the players a good feeling to end in the school, to end the season a little bit on an up note. Look, the NFL used to have a consolation game. The team that would lose in the championship games, you know, they would play one another. It was a consolation game. I mean, Vince Lombardi said that NFL game was played by losers. He hated it. But they would have the consolation game. Yeah. Well, second place is just a first loser in my mind, so I agree with Vince Lombardi. Well, you know, you know, you know, I, I, Jack, I agree with you a little bit because I did play and I did coach at lower levels, and the kids to to play an extra game together and to to go out there and play football again, it does mean something to them, and I think it means something to the school and the fans, right? I mean, even even if we're not going to watch it, you know, the fans of those two teams are going to watch it, so it does mean something. But I don't know if you want to call it a bowl game because. When when we were growing up, a bowl game had significance. Yeah, and and now besides the playoff teams playing in uh, bowl games, which they they did that for the bowl uh, committee or whatever the heck they are, they did that for them. The biggest the biggest bowls again are, are the championship. Um, you know, I, I understand that the players and the, and the and the fans do appreciate it, but as far as we go, uh, and and as far as national sports, it really doesn't mean. Let me ask you and Keith the question, Mac, okay? And I bet the two of you pause on this. 
if you had a choice, let's take basketball, to get eliminated in the first game of the NCAA tournament, your team makes the tournament, gets eliminated the first game, or does not make the tournament, but gets into the NIT tournament and wins the NIT tournament, which one would you choose, to win the NIT tournament or to go to the NCAAs and lose in the first game? That's Make the NCAA one. every time. That's a tough question. I, I don't agree. I don't necessarily agree with that. Years I ago, I would have said the NIT, but the NIT is not what it was. As the NCAA's expanded their field, the NIT's gotten you know to be I, really. I, 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 let me let me answer your question. Ahead, yeah. I, I do agree with the significance part of it, but I do think there are certain teams, for instance, Division Two schools, Division Three schools, Two A, Two B, however you want to number them that should not be playing in these bigger tournaments where they're going to get knocked out. They have no chance, but to win a championship in a lesser tournament might mean more to them in a certain way, Keith. So I do understand what you're saying about significance. I do agree with that, but I also think it depends on the school because if, if I could win, if I'm a, a division one, a double a say the division underneath it, and I got a shot at winning the NIT tournament. I think I might like that a little bit better than getting knocked out in the first round. I think. So if you were the team, and I'm I'm struggling to remember the 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 team that beat ten. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Virginia. Virginia was the first rate first ranked team in the tournament three right. years ago. Right. And they got knocked out in the first round by the team that was rated last. Right. Now you're going to tell me that team that knocked off. Virginia in the first round of the NCAA tournament would have preferred to go to the NIT and win. I, I, I well, that's I, not that that wasn't the scenario I was presented. I was presented get knocked out in the first round. So I'm not sure. I mean, I do understand what you're saying, Keith. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I I think it has a lot to do with the school too. You know, we have that problem with UConn. UConn went Division One A, and they will never even sniff a top ten ranking. I think that was the biggest mistake they ever made. Because you have, to, you have to, you have to pay, you have to pay a certain amount of money and have to pay these recruits a certain amount of money. And UConn is losing money in their football program, believe it or not. So there are schools out there that stretch themselves out to get to play with the big boys, but can't afford to. And I think that was the biggest mistake they they ever made. I'd rather be in a championship at Division One Double A than being, you know, one in ten every year in the Division One. You know, one A. You know what I'm saying? I think it depends yeah. on the school too. That's all I'm saying. And I do agree yeah. with you with the significance. I do. I UConn do was UConn was making progress. You're talking about the football team, I'm assuming, yes, right? Yes, and yes. and they were making progress until the realignment in 2012, and the Big East had to break up. UConn was in a Fiesta Bowl and and was ranked uh, probably the last year, uh, the year before the Big East had to break up. That was downfall. The first sign of the downfall of the UConn program. That was a bad move. And then they went out to the AAC and it wasn't a good fit. And, you know, we know the story now, Jim Moore is a coach. They should have hired Dion last year. They could have got the number one recruit in the country this year. Right. Pa and Pags even thought that, yeah, they talked about that on the huddle. Dion Sanders is doing a tremendous job at Jackson state. Bringing oh, you read my mind. I didn't yeah. even see that come up. Yeah. I, you yeah. know what, do I have an opinion of going there? I cannot believe when Florida state is getting out recruited by, by, Deion Sanders at Jackson State, things are upside down the NFL or the NCAA, excuse me. And it's got to do with this NIL. That's where that's how these kids, their kids getting paid money to go there. There's no doubt about it. It's not supposed to be used as a recruiting tool, but this is a perfect 
indication that it is being used as a recruiting tool, and it's going to cause problems down the line. And and Keith, there's an X factor. The kid's a cornerback who has a great chance to maybe go to the NFL someday. And who better to mentor him than the greatest cornerback of all time, Deion Sanders? I mean, that's invaluable. That's good, but Deion Sanders isn't likely to be there for four years. He'll probably be gone next year. He may be the next head coach of Florida State. Who knows? Maybe. maybe. I mean, you know, you can't tell. I think Deion Sanders, listen, the name alone, the prestige of Deion Sanders, a superstar, a heck of a salesman, a great talker. It doesn't surprise me he's out. out, it, uh, out. Go ahead. It's just it's a tremendous thing for the, the you know, it's a sh- shocking thing I've seen in, in college football this year. I don't you can talk about Cincinnati making the final four. This to me is the most shocking thing I've seen in NCAA football. Maybe forever is Jackson State getting this number one recruit in the nation. Keith, Keith, Deion Sanders isn't going to leave so soon. His son is on the team. Could you imagine leaving while his son is on the team? Well, with the transfer portal, with the transfer portal, they can all go with them. So, you know, (laughs) that's the truth. Everybody's a free agent now in college, players and coaches alike. That's true. It's it's handled professional, but it's not professional. Uh, Let's let's get into the Pats real quick. Uh, The Pats, they're very hot, of course. They're coming against a team, I think we've talked about this before, very much like the Pats, physical, good defense, good running game. The the advantage the Colts have right now is at quarterback, and that's the advantage they have, and it's up to Belichick and the defense to stop uh, Wentz and, and, and his throwing. Um, is this the chance where New England hits that bump in a row, Keith? Everybody does it. No, Not too many teams you know, win so many games in a row and don't hit a bump. I think this is a spot where they might. Yeah, it's the perfect spot for a trap game, right, if we're going to use the terminology that they like to use in uh, football um, because you've come off a big win. The, having an off week maybe eliminates that a little bit, uh, the fact that uh, Belichick's been able to get him refocused, give him a little time off, get him refocused on uh, the big picture. But they're going to have a tough team. This is a really good team. It's a well-coached team, you know, and very quietly and – if Pags is watching, I'm interested in his input here. Carson Wentz has had a pretty good year, very quietly, in yeah. Indianapolis after kind of a rough start. And Jonathan Taylor is probably with Derrick Henry out for sure is the best running back in the NFL. And this is going to be a tough task for the for the Patriots this week. I expect them to come away with a win, only because again, I don't see any reason to to pick against them. It's a pretty even matchup. I think it might come down to, you know, a big turnover somewhere late in the game. Um, and I will take Bill Belichick over Frank Reich as much as I think he's done a good job. Frank Reich's a good coach. He is a good coach. He's yeah, certainly a good, good coach. quarterback coach. And him, and and Wentz reuniting with him has been a really good uh, – uh, Really helped um, him out. Yeah, boost his career back to where it was. Sure has, sure has. I just think they might have the advantage of quarterback, and you guys have been red hot and eventually – I mean, you know, nobody goes undefeated unless you're the Miami Dolphins or the Cleveland Browns or the AFFC. How's that? How and to, be honest, to be honest with you, losing a game here somewhere may not be the worst thing to happen. I, I agree. Uh, I agree. You know, going. You know what? Going. To, I worry about going into playoffs with like you know a eleven or twelve game winning streak. That's not too. the best thing. So I would too. You got to you got to feel that pain every once in a while to keep your yeah. And, and and this may be the week it happens. And it like might. you, and like you, I am. Uh, surprised that Carson Wentz 
uh, has rebounded. I think it's 22 touchdowns and five interceptions. He's really playing uh, real good ball. That's yeah. Eagles. He really, he really fell off the the map there for a while. So even though I don't like the man that much and and what he was before, maybe he has a rebirth and maybe he does what he was drafted to do. We'll find out. It's another pretty matched, Mac. Yeah, I think so. I th- I think they got the edge of quarterback. To be honest with you, Keith. Yeah, I really do. I I mean, Mac Jones is not Carson Wentz even at fifty percent yet. You know, he's not he's not there yet. So uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I think I, I think it's going to be a good game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots win. Uh, but I think this is this is a place where, like you said, if the Patriots do lose, they will uh, it won't hurt them that much. So I, I think it might even be a, a refocused thing. So. Um, yeah, and watch, watch him go up and beat the Colts 30 to 3 or something ridiculous, you know. So, last time anyway. I had one of these conversations about the Colts, I think they won by about 40, and all of a sudden I was talking about deflated footballs, if I remember right. But, yeah, it's not uh, like it's not like that was going on. I'm not sure exactly the whole story behind that. The, the truth is, I really don't want to talk about it. That's the truth, but anyway, Keith, either. thank you for coming in. We'll see you Sunday with the Patriots preview as we get down to Sunday and the nitty gritty uh, of. You, what you're going to preview with the Pats and how they are going to beat the, the Colts. Uh, meanwhile, folks. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll be able to have a great preview Sunday morning because the game will have been played Saturday night. So I'm going to be very, very, very so, so, I mean, if you're going to bet, uh, watch <laughs> Sunday's uh, preview and you'll, uh, and we'll give you the answer before you put your bet down. So Keith, thanks for coming in and thanks for the shot at the end there. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> have a great, have a, have a great Friday, my friend. Get yourself in a T-shirt there, Jack. I don't even recognize you. Yeah. Have a no, great day. Yeah, I agree. Says, don't get as young as Yankee Bias today. Do you know how? Do you know how hard? Do you know how hard it was to get him in that shirt, Keith? Please don't tell him to do that. Right, Seriously, I thought, he was, I thought he was being inducted and, into another Hall of Fame when I saw him in right. that shirt. No, that will I never happen. Mac believes in dress codes for teams and not believes in dress codes for shows. So look out, Keith. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Keith, you have right. a great one, and we'll see you Sunday, my friend. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> folks, we're going to take a quick timeout, and we got the Philly sports guy, Jimmy, Jamie Pags himself, coming in, another partner of mine in crime. Uh, love the guy. Love having him on. And one of the best uh, Phillies analysts, Philadelphia sports analysts, I should say, there is. He'll be on right after these breaks. Stick with us, folks. My baloney has a first name. It's O S C A R. My baloney has a second name. It's M A Y E R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. And if you ask me why, I'll say, cause Oscar Mayer has a way with B O O G N A. Oscar Mayer has a way with B O O G N Proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. Oh, for more information, call 211 Info Line, a message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health. One bit of when you're having more than one. 
fermentation. Most brewers just ferment their beer once, but Schaefer is fermented twice. Once to make it beer, and twice to make it Schaefer. The one beer with flavor so fine, it keeps shining through glass after frosty glass. More than one fermentation is one reason, but of course there's more than one reason behind the one beer to have when you're having more than one. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Ann, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. Alex is just... And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in the kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. See right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate. All right, I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate. Oh, I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn! Hey, isn't he? That commercial producer is on fire them right after the show. So, folks, welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on our Friday edition. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch. We'll be doing our debate show tomorrow, 8 to 10 a.m., and our big football show where Keith and the guy coming up right now, the Philly sports guy, Jamie Pags, will be coming in with their updates and previews. Let's bring up the one and only Philly sports guy himself. Pags, the Philly sports guy. I just call him Pags. That's all. What's going on, Pags? Good morning, guys. How are you? Hanging in there, my Good friend. Good morning, Pags. I didn't have a chance to really. It's old news now. We never talked about AV for whatever reason. I think I was off to show one show when it happened, when he was let go. Yeah. But it's old news, but. Yeah, it was time. Uh, I mean, I think that AV was a good coach. I just don't think he fit the system. The players don't fit his system here. Uh, and I think he started to lose uh, the locker room some. And, 
you know, once that starts to happen and, and you're not playing well, you have to you have to cut ties quickly. And they're just the their penalty kill and their power play was horrendous, uh, and it has been since they've gotten here. And I just I, again, I, I didn't think that they were just listening to him anymore, and they needed to make a change. Good morning, Chris. Good to have you aboard, uh, Chris Pompey. I think he's still doing his podcast, right, Pags? I know oh, yeah, he's, do, he's doing a lot of stuff up there. He, he seems to get these guests, you know, from out of nowhere, and they, they uh, you know, these high-profile high, high profile guests. So he, he's doing great job, great work yeah, up there. I, I know how he gets them. I know how he gets them. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but he's doing a great show, folks. So if you get a shot, go over to the site. Uh, Chris Pompey runs it. Uh, he does a great job with his podcast. So uh, a little a little shout out to Chris there and, and, and the work he does up there out of Canada. Um, Pax, let's 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 get to it. Let's get the the uh, the Canadians beat the Flyers. The Canadians uh, playing you know terrible hockey. Um, the Flyers still they're only they're only think they're eight points behind the Penguins for eight for the fourth place spot. Last time I checked, so they're still in it. Just a matter of them making a run. Do they have the guns to make the run this year? That's a tough question to ask. Uh, I I'd love to say that they do. I'll be honest. I think it's time to you know really make some changes on this team. That uh, I mean, Drew is in definitely the last the last year of his contract. My expectation is is that he will get re-signed again by the Flyers. I don't. I think he's going to be a Flyer for life. However, I would give him the opportunity to possibly play for a contending team this season. Uh, and possibly get something to fill up the coffers in the back end, uh, just because I feel that the the Flyers are not not really a playoff team or somebody who could actually make it you know a run even to the Stanley Cup. So I, I I think that I think that some of the players on this team, it's time for them to go. JVR is just not producing. Travis Konechny, who's one of my favorite players on the team, just can't seem to can't seem to find the puck, you know, put the puck in the net, and it's just when you start having those types of problems, that you just need to be able to make a change. And I think that it's time that some of these players go and thrive with other teams, you know, that that they need a little bit of a rebirth. And I think the Flyers need an absolute rebirth as well. It's you know, of course they were lost ten games in a row. They did win three in a row. Then they go down, and then they go to Montreal, which, you know, and, and again, Montreal had an empty stadium. And I tell you, I think that, you know, going to every home Flyers game, when there's energy in the building, the Flyers play better. When there's no energy in the building, I think the Flyers also feed into that too. And it probably playing in front of no fans whatsoever helped Montreal. Yeah, I know. I know Montreal is having a lot of problems. They got rid of uh, some of their big players from last year, and uh, and they're it's really showing this year on them. Um, yeah, I I don't think the Flyers would make noise if they get in the playoffs. I still ain't counting them out. The season's still still gettable, and I I still think they have an opportunity to get fourth place. Not a good one, but they do. And I don't I, as I, as you said, I don't think they're going to run to the Stanley Cup. That well, there's a couple of wild card slots, so you never know. I mean, no. once again, the playoffs. Everyone has a clean slate. I don't mean just officially. Anyone could beat anyone. Look, the Canadians were fourth seed and they went to the finals. 
Does anything could happen at that point? I mean, maybe Carter Hart catches fire and becomes, you know, they can't get the puck by him. Anything could happen. Well, and that's and that's really the only saving grace that there is is that a go, a hot goaltender in the playoffs is is better than a hot team. Yeah. You know, so you could have guy you could have a guy hitting, you know, two and three points a night and he goes up against a hot goaltender and that's just going to fall apart. So realistically a, a a good goaltender is better than a you know a great goal scorer in the playoffs yeah, yeah i mean but if you look at the the real good teams tampa bays and and, and the panthers and stuff i mean that it's, it's those those teams are going to be there in the end no matter what i mean i know i know tampa bay's guy still i mean they just went on a a hell of a run, and, and they're right back in the thick of things. And well, I, Tampa I Bay, I, I, it doesn't matter how Tampa Bay plays in the regular season. The Stanley Cup is still going to go through Tampa. That yeah, is the best team by far in the NHL, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You got to be able to keep up with their speed. You got to be, you know, very, you know. You got to get the body on them. You have to wear them down in a, in a way. So you got to be checking them all the time, and it's hard to check them when you got to try to catch them. Yeah. And that's the difference. It's just that they are just so fast. And Boston, I would say, out Boston probably has one of the better chances of doing that. Uh, and I think that the size, in terms of the size, I think that Washington has a really good chance of that as well. But. They just have they have the mixture of both, and that's yeah. going to be the hard part. Along with uh, Vasilevsky, who's who's a really good goaltender as well, I mean, so who I mean, can get you, a little if, hot. And, if you look at the last two years, and probably one of the most physical teams in in the league, the Islanders, uh, they don't really have a great offense, but they are very physical and a great defense. The last two years, anyway, and they got beat by uh, Tampa Bay, who just as you said, eventually in the seven game series, it's hard to stay on them. Every game, so uh, yeah. and and, that, and that's two years in a row, two yeah. years in a row that they just they couldn't find the answer, and you know, and I think about it from two years ago. Had the Flyers gotten past the Islanders in Game Seven, had they, how that would have worked out. Now I thought I thought Tampa Bay was definitely still the best in the league two years ago, uh, and that that was going to be our hardest challenge. I I felt that at the time the Flyers matched up better with Tampa Bay than the Islanders did. And I feel like that the Islanders, the Islanders Flyers series was such a knockdown drag out series yeah. that it really tired the Islanders out and they yeah. just didn't have anything left in the tank for Tampa Bay. However, I think that the Flyers would have been able to play better against them. I don't know that that would have made meant that they won and they would have gone to the cup, but you know, yeah. I guess hindsight is twenty twenty. We didn't get past the Islanders, so no doubt, no doubt. Let's talk a little bit about the 76ers, uh, Very little bit. You're five hundred. You're still only eight and a half games behind the Nets. I mean, it's not like you guys are you know out of reach yet. It's still still relatively early. You still have to find some kind of chemistry uh, to to get that team back to where it was. I don't know if that's going to happen this year, Pags. It, it, it looks it looks it doesn't look good. Let's put it that way. I mean, I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs. But even if they get in, they really don't have the chemistry that they had over the last couple of years. Even when Simmons was playing good, uh, they seem to be missing a little something. And now it seems like they're missing a little bit more of something. I agree. I I, I feel that there is – I mean, COVID is running rampant right now and throughout all of sports. So it's not – you can't blame that, especially since the Nets had, what, barely eight players uh, to be able to play yesterday. Uh, and in fact, the, the Sixers were favored in that game 
and of course lost. And then they were favored against the Heat, who came here came here with literally one starter, I think it was that they had, and you know Kyle Lowry, and that was it. You know, and everybody else was definitely bench players, and you were playing with like the fifteenth guy off the bench. You know, and, and they still they they you know spank the Sixers. So th- there's something else that's going on here, I I think, and. You know, I, I thought initially that the Sixers were kind of in, you know, the just the humdrum of the midseason. You know, it's just like, all right, we just got to play some of these games and, and we'll kick it back into gear once we get closer to the All-Star break. Uh, I'm beginning to feel like now that there needs to be a shakeup. Uh, yeah. The same type of situation. There's got to be a shakeup. Uh, I, I know that there is no pressure at all to try to trade Simmons or to try to change this team at all. And because there's no pressure, you know, they're just taking their time. And I think that that's, that's a problem. I feel like that there, that Maury's got to be a little bit more proactive here and that he's got to start to push the envelope. I heard you guys talking about how the Knicks were doing in such bad shape. I don't put it past the Sixers now on possibly trading in division. I don't, I don't think that, I don't, I think that everything's on the table. I don't think that you can say, oh, well, I can't trade him to New York because we can't, we got to be afraid of what he might do up there. I think that you have to have uh, your, your plate open completely so that you can see any possible thing that's going to improve this team. And, you know, and if it means that you're trading with somebody who is in your division, then you got to do it, you know, and you can't really worry about, you know, well, what's he going to do up there? You know, if you were worried about what he's going to do up there, then you'd just have him on the court now. Tobias Harris for Julius Randle, if that was proposed. Would you jump on that if you were the Sixers? Why would we give up Julius Randle? Well, the way he's been playing lately is... I I would, actually. I would, actually. And I feel like that that would be... Uh, I mean, I think that's a little bit of a better trade for the Sixers. You know, you probably have to throw in a second round pick in the middle of that as well somewhere. Uh, but I I think I would absolutely do that trade. I think it's time for Tobias to move forward or move on. So would the I think he's a good player, but I, I probably wouldn't do it if I were the Knicks. Let me just right. say yeah, I wouldn't more. You have to have a little more in return, but not a lot more, a little more if you were the Knicks. I agree. I agree. I think that you'd have to, you know, you'd have to add a little bit of something else. And I don't know that what else there is to add on the Sixer side that doesn't. Andre Drummond, maybe. He hasn't really. I mean. No, no. See, you got, you got to keep Drummond because he's the guy who plays when Embiid is out. So you can't be able to give him up. Yeah, well, Julius Rander could fill in for Embiid when he's out. Anyway, uh, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Simmons. You know, I, I don't know what you guys are going to – nobody – I don't think anybody wants Simmons right now because of what he's done in Philadelphia. That's the, that's the conundrum you guys are in right now. So uh, we'll, well see. I think, I think as teams start to get a little bit more desperate, you know, Maybe. again, it's we're not Maybe. we're not at Christmas yet. So they did pass December 15th. So now that some of these contracts, some of these free agent contracts that were done – are now able to, you know, move forward and and be able to get traded out and stuff. Maybe. So that I think it's possible. Yeah, it's a um, there is a possibility. There is a possibility. But so, and I think I think that there's like a, a team like uh, the Pelicans, somebody like that who's got Zion over there, who they've got some pieces, 
but they don't, you know, Zion's hurt and whatever. I think that they may be more apt to make uh, a splash and maybe. give up some of the stuff that they need for Simmons. Maybe. And maybe. That's that's what I'm thinking of because they need something to be able to entice the crowd. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe Zion and uh, maybe him and, uh, you know, maybe him and uh, uh, Simmons could play well together. Who knows? Um, right. let's, let's, let's look at the Eagles. Uh, big game for you guys, Washington, for – for second place here, Washington's uh, a big underdog. They're, I think nine and a half points against the Eagles. I don't think it's going to be that much of a, of a difference. I mean, I think Washington is is going to be in the game till the end with you guys. Um, and and of course you got the Hurts. What well, is he? Is hurt hurt or is Minshew going to play? Or you know, I there's a lot of questions here with the Eagles. Um, what do you think, Pax? Do you think uh, Eagles win this game? And if they do, by how much? We'll talk again Sunday. But I want you. You want you. Come on, uh, I, I think I think that Washington is really racked by COVID right now, and uh, it's it's interesting how the NFL is approaching these COVID-strapped teams. It was the reason why they went to 15 guys on the practice squad, and right now I think Washington is at the threshold of 14 guys that are out with COVID, and I th- it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they go beyond that 15 guy mark if they go beyond that 15 guy mark or if some some of these guys are going to come back because the one thing that you find out about the NFL is that hey when you go into covid protocol you, that doesn't necessarily mean you have covid but that you were in close proximity so you don't know if these guys are actually sick could they play are they getting positive tests are they not getting positive tests and i feel like that's why the number is so high going back specifically to the eagles I don't know that. I mean, I know that they are trying to do everything they can, or he's trying to do everything he can to play this Sunday. And I mean, hurts. Uh, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, I was put him at about seventy percent, and I thought that if he's at sixty percent, he doesn't play. At eighty percent, he does play. Well, he's right in the middle of that. And where does that put him? You know. And I feel that he's going to probably play. Uh, however, I don't know that it's the right thing to do especially when you have somebody who's so strapped, like a team that's so strapped as Washington is with guys on COVID. I think that they are, I think the Eagles are afraid just like everybody else to throw Minshew back out there and Minshew have another good game that you, you start to create that quarterback controversy where you don't need one, you know, and that's, and I feel like that there's a thought process to that. I got to imagine that's on Hertz mind a little bit because you know, he doesn't want to lose his spot for an injury, but if he's hurt, you know, then he, is he can he really go out there and help his team? Well, I guess we're going to find out on Sunday uh, that that's, you know, literally it's a game time decision. And I, I expect that he's going to play and that he's going to have probably a little bit of a limp. But, you know, even with that limp, uh, I don't know if uh, 75% hurts is better than 100% Minshew. Yeah, I listen. I agree with that. I listen. I if if it's me, if Hurts is hurt, and uh, the predicament Washington is, I'm starting Minshew anyway. And if Minshew can't do it, then I bring in Hurts to see if he can. I mean, but it, you know, the playoff is so tough because you guys lose another game. You, that you might have kiss a goodbye. I mean, it's it's going to be tough, man. This is a tough. This is the end of season crunch time, and with so many teams still still in the wild card race, one loss could knock you guys out or, or Washington out too. It's going to be really. It'll be really interesting to see what happens there. 
Uh, yeah, but you know what? These teams are still beating up on each other as well. So uh, the fact that, you know, it, it's interesting that whoever loses this game is still only going to be a game out of the wild card spot. So, I mean, and depending on how everybody else loses or wins will depend on whether, you know, now it's going to be a fight to get over top of the other one. But, I mean, I, the Rams had a big win. And that right. was important. If the Rams lost another one, I, I was going to start to throw them in the wild card mix to fall out of the wild card. Now you got the Vikings and the 49ers above both of us NFC East teams, and that's it. Everybody else, everybody else is still, you know, below us in the grand scheme of things. At least I'm below the Eagles because we have the tiebreaker against Atlanta. We have the tiebreaker against the Saints. We have the tiebreaker against Carolina. It's just really the Vikings, who we don't have it against, and the 49ers who beat us. Yeah, so, well, the, the 49ers are above 500. Um, and, the uh, the of course, the Rams are the first wild card right now, followed by the 49ers, and then followed by the Redskins, and then you guys. So this is why it's a big game for you guys. If you guys lose to the Redskins, you're talking only a game back now, but you got the tiebreakers in Washington's, you know, Washington's hands, which that's why you guys got to win this. You guys got to win this game. You guys got to right. win. It. I agree. We have to, we we can't really afford to lose any game right now. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's and that's that's really the honest to god truth. We have to win. We have to win out if we want to make the playoffs. Yeah. And not that I think that we're going to go crazy in the playoffs. I just want them to have the one I want to have the, the experience of being in the playoffs. We got 3 first round picks. It doesn't matter if one of our picks is number 19, who cares? You know what I mean? Because realistically, if we are in the playoffs, the experience of these guys being in the playoffs is going to be invaluable in comparison to not being in the playoffs and having to watch it on TV. Hey, listen, I, I mean, I, th- I, I listen. I give you guys credit. I didn't think you guys would do this well this year so far. You guys played pretty, pretty solid football. So I know I, I keep hearing that do 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 when I said nine and eight, and you guys were laughing at me. And guess what? It looks like well, I'm gonna. I still think we're gonna be there. I still think it's gonna be nine and eight, and I still. You know, kind of say, I'm not sure nine and eight makes it into the playoffs. Nine and eight. going to wind up seven and ten. Nine and, I and will eight. Remind you about that at the end of the season. I will remind you. Oh, don't worry. I haven't let you guys forget that I said nine and eight from the very beginning, and that's you know, and I've stuck with it this time. Seven and ten would have been better than I thought they did in the beginning of the year. So I'll say kudos to them at seven and ten. Anyway, nine and eight. I'm still going to give you the Twilight theme song for nine and eight bags. I don't think you guys will get there, but listen. I mean, I think they've they've done they've uh, done very well for for what it was last year. You guys are already, but the same as you were last year, and uh, you win a couple more games under a new coach. I think that's great. Myself, I do anyway. If you got if you guys go eight and nine, or you guys go even seven and ten, I think with a new coach and and Hertz being your starting quarterback, I think you guys did a great job. I really do. Well, I I think that there was a surprises around. I liked how the coaching staff has learned from their mistakes at the beginning of the season and has evolved, you know, and I would say there's definitely more of an upside for next year. And we're not even through this year. So I, I, I agree with all that. You know, thinking about that, though, thinking about upside and then thinking who doesn't have upside, uh, is Judge gone? I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out, Bags. I, I, I'm almost positive that uh, Gettleman's gone. 
But uh, oh yeah, well no. I Judge, think, well Gettleman Gettleman's going to be relieved of his duties there and put he he's going to be put somewhere else. He's not going to get fired. I think that he's going to still be part of the organization. Possibly. He's just not going to have the possibly. not going to have. Yeah, the, I think honestly, Pags, I think it would be a mistake to fire Judge right now. He's only in his second year. And if you keep if you know you keep firing coaches every couple of years, man, you're never ever going to get that that organization going. It'll be like Jacksonville, uh, or, or like the Jets. Well, let me get that if you keep coaches on the job longer than they should be as well. I'm not passing judgment on Judge. I understand per se, but that's you know you can't stay with someone too long either. No, I agree with that too, Jack. But I think two years is a very short span. I mean, if you, I mean, Parcells, Belichick, all these coaches that first started out weren't that good in their first couple of years either. Um, you know, in, it just, it takes a while to build something. It really does, especially when you have had a bad team for so long. It takes a lot to bring that back around. You got to show progress, Mac. That's the whole thing. That's the thing. And I, I'd be willing to bet that the offense, even though that Daniel Jones isn't playing, that the offense uh, for the Giants is going to be the determining factor on whether he stays or not. Uh, he, of course, they had to get rid of their offensive coordinator, the Clapper. You know what I mean? Because he was you know, just not doing anything. And as of as of that point on, this offense has still been stagnant. Oh, yeah. So it no could be. Listen, Pags, their offensive line stinks. That's They stink. There's there's no other doubt about it. We had Byron on talking about it. And their offensive line just is, is not even halfway decent. I mean, they can't run the ball. They can't throw the ball. You can't score points. It's ridiculous. And that's and that's that's how championships are won. That's how the Eagles right now. That's how the Eagles are even doing anything right now is because their offensive line is consistent and strong. And that's and that's why that's how you win some games. The offensive defensive line. That's how championships are won. Why not have the Eagles go to the Super Bowl this year and win it? Can you imagine them on the podium winning the Super Bowl? Jalen Hurts Super. No, no, Minshew, Super Bowl MVP, standing next to Nick Sirianni. What are the odds of that happening? Oh the Eagles God. win the Super Bowl this year. The statue next to Foles, that would be awesome. See, see now, that's where I hear the Twilight Zone. As much as I'd love to believe that that's even anywhere thing, that is definitely Twilight Zone material. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I, I don't. Tags. If, I, if, if everything Jack said that I thought was nuts, I played. The Twilight Zone, the whole show would almost be dee, 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 just like that. So there you go. You gotta you gotta figure out a way to be able to get a straight jacket on him that one time. Just a picture of a straight jacket that goes like, all right, there it is. <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you didn't see the teddy bear bit, did you? You didn't see the jack with the teddy bear. I gotta I'm gonna cut that. And I think I'm gonna I'm gonna, didn't, I'm gonna that didn't help against the Saints. Well, he he, had, he he was talking to Jim Jeffco through a teddy bear, which was very interesting. Um, I don't know what happened there, but anyway, I might cut that video and, and put it out there. So, uh, Pax, thanks for coming in. We'll see you Sunday, and we'll talk a little bit more about the about the football matchup. Uh, have a great one. Have a great Friday night, my friend. All right, you guys do the same. Take care. All right, Pags. So there you go, guy, there you go, folks. The Philly sports guy himself, Jamie Pags, who analyzes all Philly sports, and I don't think anybody does it better. So he's at every place. He knows the ins and outs. Of what's going on in Philly sports constantly. So, guys, we're coming to the end of the show. Tomorrow, again, we got our debate show. Dr. Paul Semendinger will be with us as me and Jack debate the hottest topics in sports. And Sunday, of course, is our big uh, football show, uh, which we have a lot of fun doing every week with Jim Jeffcoat, the Jetman, Keith Angle, Pags, and also Robert Butler, who's outstanding at what he does, too. So, you guys have a great Friday night. We'll see you back here tomorrow. 
Don't eat too much pizza and enjoy the Bahamas Bowl if you can. Have a great day, folks. <laughs>